What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's PACASO.com. My colleague will stop commenting on everything I eat. My assistant rolls his eyes at people in meetings. Why does my coworker keep taking credit for all my ideas? Have any wisdom for me? Hi, I'm Allison Green. Welcome to the Ask a Manager podcast, where I answer questions from listeners about life at work. Everything from what to say if you're allergic to your coworker's perfume to what to do if you drink too much at the company party. Let's get started. I have to confess, I really love awkwardness. That might sound like a weird thing to say, but I find awkward situations, including my own, really funny and entertaining and in some way kind of heartwarming. My favorite letters at the Ask a Manager website are the ones that involve awkwardness. Like I once published a letter from a woman who had accidentally hugged her CEO on the elevator one morning. He was leaning past her to hold the door open and she thought he was going in for a hug. So she just went with it and embraced him. There was another letter from a person who found out that her mom had been emailing her boss to remind him that the daughter's birthday was coming up soon. I love those stories. And really so much of Ask a Manager is about, here's this uncomfortable, potentially awkward situation. How do I handle it? And that is probably what has kept me happily doing the column for, what, 11 years at this point. Awkward situations are just really interesting and entertaining, and they're so universal. We all do things that make us cringe. Even the most confident among us have those moments that still make our faces turn red when we think about them weeks later. It happens to everyone, and it definitely happens at work. Today, we have a special guest here to talk about awkwardness. Melissa Dahl is the author of the amazing book, Cringeworthy, A Theory of Awkwardness. And I think she loves awkwardness as much as I do. Melissa, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Thanks, Allison. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. You and I have talked about awkwardness before, and I just absolutely love Cringeworthy. Can we talk a bit about the book itself, and then we'll just talk all things awkward? 
Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, what do you want to know? Well, I mean, this is basically the greatest idea for a book ever. (laughs) (laughs) For people who don't know it, will you just describe it and what made you want to write it? Yeah. um, So, God, talk about awkward, actually. I, I feel like, I don't know if you are this way with your book, but sometimes, like, when people ask me to describe my book, it's like, it's like all words leave me and I'm like, um, um, I, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I will do my best. Um, so it is, I am a writer for New York magazine for the cut and I cover psychology primarily, um, for the cut. And I've written about psychology for the last more than 10 years. And one of the things I've always really liked about the job is, you know, I'll have some kind of question about human nature. Why do we do the things we do? And I get to, you know, call up somebody who has been studying this for, you know, for the last decade of their life or so, and who can explain it to me in a thoughtful way. But I kind of couldn't find anything that explained the feeling of of cringing, the feeling of awkwardness, you know, that that like just that tension that kind of like permeates the room when someone's like makes a joke and it doesn't go over well, or the thing where someone assumes someone else is expecting and, and they're not, you know, I was just curious what could explain um, the psychology behind that feeling. Um, so this book is kind of my attempt to to do that. And let's actually define awkwardness. How do you define it? I define it as it's so it's embarrassment. It's it's like the self conscious aspect of embarrassment. But I think what's different about it and what sets it apart because it is it is different. Like an awkward situation is not necessarily an embarrassing situation. So I think it's the self-conscious aspect of embarrassment, but with this stronger undercurrent of uncertainty, you know, like there's this element of what do I say next? What do I do next? Like the social norms are not here to guide me. So that's how I defined it. For the book, you came up with an overall theory of awkwardness, which you have called cringe theory. Will you talk about what cringe theory is? Yeah, so I really have come to believe that cringing kind of causes us to to ask some pretty surprisingly profound questions about ourselves if you if you kind of pay attention to it. I think it kind of makes us ask ourselves, who are you? How how do other people perceive you? And and who do you want to be? I think that cringing are it's the, the moments that make us cringe are these moments when we realize that the you that you kind of carry in your own head, this perception of yourself is maybe not necessarily the way the world is seeing you. It's kind of the moments we realize there's a disconnect between the person you're trying to present to the world and what you actually look like to the people around you. So the idea is awkwardness is what happens when this polished version of ourselves that we hope we're showing to the world slips and we're exposed and we worry that people are seeing maybe who we really are, but the parts that we prefer to hide. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, it's kind of like, yeah, I'll just leave it there. Exactly. You talk in the book about the spotlight effect, that we assume that other people are paying more attention to us than they really are. And this is, I would imagine, probably at its peak when we're teenagers, but it stays with us, right? It does. Yeah. I mean, it uh, actually, interestingly, they, they do say that self-consciousness kind of fades later in adulthood, but certainly it's more of a human nature thing. It's not just a teenage thing. Uh, the spotlight effect is this idea that we think more people are paying attention to us than actually are. 
And there's this classic experiment where they tested this. Uh, They had somebody show up to an experiment late. They kind of told them the wrong time on purpose. Um, And before they went in the room, they they gave them this really silly t-shirt with Barry Manilow's face on it. And so the the person is already late and they show up and they're wearing this really silly t-shirt. It's kind of this embarrassing moment. And then afterwards, uh, the experimenters interviewed uh, all these folks. And they, one of the things they asked them was, um, how many people do you think remembered your shirt? And basically they thought, you know, maybe they thought 10 people would remember, um, but really only five people remembered. So the kind of the moral of it is it's interesting. A lot of times when people write and talk about the spotlight effect, it's like the message that gets across is like, oh, no one's paying attention to you, you know, do whatever you want. It's, it's not quite that. It's, it's just not as many people as we think are, are paying attention to our ridiculous mistakes. So. Yeah. I feel like I see that in a lot of letters at Ask a Manager that people are just really seized with worry that everyone saw this relatively small, silly thing that they did. But you're right. The message can't be, oh, don't worry. No one is ever paying attention because certainly quite often people are. We just really overestimate, I think, how often that's the case. We do. It's just kind of, you know, humans are kind of egocentric by nature and all of us have have that tendency to one degree or another. But it's interest, It's so interesting to me, the kind of like link between awkwardness and kind of feeling uncomfortable in social situations and egocentrism because it's like it's it's like you're worried what people think about you but you know of course no one is thinking about you as much as as much as you are um so and I think that's particularly can be true at work like you think oh my gosh I made such an idiot out of myself in that meeting but no one's remembering what you said they're remembering what what they said and whether it went well or not so yes unless it was really egregious I think that's usually the case. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can't just make a blatant statement and say no one ever remembers, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. yeah, but people definitely think it's happening more than it is. Yeah. Let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to hear about some real life awkward situations that Melissa put herself into when she was writing the book, including a visit she paid to a professional cuddler. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats 
even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. One thing that is great about the book is that not only do you really delve into the science of awkwardness, but you also intentionally went out and put yourself in really awkward situations so that you could write about them. You yeah. did improv so that you could write about it for the book, which just makes you my hero. And you even set up a session with a professional cuddler so that you could write about it. I was laughing out loud when I read that part of the book. Will you tell us about the professional cuddler? Because I just cringe thinking about it. Oh, my gosh. So that that part of the book, I had it, I, I was almost done. I was almost done writing the book. And I had, like, as you say, I had put myself into all these weird situations. And I kind of did that just as an aside. That was a a later injection into the book. That's kind of something um, people ask about a lot. Like, oh, like, you know, you did all these things. But the first draft of the book wasn't like that at all. The first draft was more um, sharing other people's stories. And I kind of like pulled it all together and, and looked at what I had. And I was like, oh, this just feels kind of cruel to like be writing about like this uncomfortable feeling from a distance, you know, like just to tell other people's embarrassing stories. It just, it sort of weirdly didn't feel fair. And also it, it didn't feel as emotional reading it. Um, I think like it, having some distance between that, uh, that discomfort. So I decided to dive right in. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, the, the, the cuddler part came, <laughs> I, I realized like the reason I wrote the book was, you know, in part because this feeling has driven me nuts for most of my life. You know, I just feel like I'm, I'm often, I'm just really sensitive to moments of awkwardness. But by the end of writing this book and, you know, taking improv classes and doing all these crazy things, it's like, I just didn't feel it anymore. Like I would, I would just do things that people would be kind of amazed at. You know, you talk a lot about having uncomfortable conversations at work or, or, or the, the kind of wisdom of, of being direct at work. And that was something I was always afraid of doing. But by the end of writing this book, I, I just kind of would dive right in. Sorry, I'm kind of I'm kind of digressing away from the cuddler. But basically, that was sort of trying to get the feeling back in a way to be like, you know, like, uh, what will work? Like, will anything make me feel awkward again? And that was the thing that broke me. It was so weird. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just like, 
oh my God, it was so weird. And now I'm like embarrassed that like I wrote about it in a book. It's like, oh my God, what? what the no, heck? it was the greatest <laughs> moment in the book. I loved it. So for people listening who are like, what on earth is a professional cuddler? What on earth is a professional cuddler? Well, so basically I think that they, they say, you know, they are all about the power of touch as kind of a, you know, soothing, you know, healing mechanism thing. So people go to them who are maybe like feeling lonely or I, I don't know who, who've maybe gone through a breakup or something like that. It's just kind of like, like the using the power of human touch is kind of what they, what they say. But I came across some story where, where some journalist had, had done it. And, you know, she talked a lot about how awkward it was. I was like, Oh, great. That's great for my purposes. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was just seriously weird. It, like, I, I just, I just like froze up and just like, couldn't, I, I couldn't even go through with it. I had to like run out of there. I was too uncomfortable. So That was my favorite part is that you literally ran out and you did it before any cuddling had happened, right? Yes. No, we, we should, she did not, we did not even touch each other. I was just like, I'm sorry. I have to go. I have to go. It's too weird. <laughs> so how is it supposed to work? You go and is it like an office or is it their home? Well, I think it's like their home or um, or they can come to you and I guess it's supposed to just be you kind of just like hug for a while or something. I don't know. Cause I only lasted like 10 minutes before I had to get out of there. Cause I thought it was too uncomfortable, but I don't want to like dismiss. I, I, I think that it can be an important thing for, you know, for people who are lonely or something. So I don't want to like dismiss the profession of professional cuddling, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't for you. That makes sense. I want to go back to something you were saying before that as you started to, to do these things, you became sort of immune to feeling awkwardness. Has that worn off or are you still there? It's funny. It's like it wears off when when I'm not thinking. It's like the power of the book. It Like when I'm immersed in it and when I'm doing lots of interviews for the book and when I'm thinking a lot about kind of what I truly believe to be like the magic of awkwardness, which is kind of like uncomfortable self-awareness, but that can be really useful. When I'm immersed in that, when I'm thinking a lot about it, I'm not afraid of it anymore. Um, but there was a period where I wasn't doing a lot of press for the book and it's like the feeling like came right back. And, and, uh, so I think it's like, it, it like works temporarily. So, um, so anyone listening to this probably should read my book again and again, um, <laughs> to, to get the effect. That makes sense. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, it almost seems like if you have steeped yourself in the messages of the book, which are, this is so normal. Everyone experiences it. There's actually something really useful and healthy about it. Like when you're really steeped in that message, that is going to really raise your immunity to feeling awkward. But yeah, I could see how when that's not right in the forefront of your mind, it would come right back. Yeah. Cause it's a, I mean, it's unpleasant, you know, it's tense. It's not fun. Um, but when, yeah, when I'm remembering the message of the book, which is kind of just that these moments can, the moments that make you cringe can kind of show you who you are and who you're, who you expect yourself to be. Then I, 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 I get some use out of the feeling. So we're going to do one final break here and come right back. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And we're back. You know, as funny as I find awkward situations, especially the ones that you put yourself into in the book, I think the book's overarching theme is a really beautiful one. And I want to read a short paragraph from the introduction that I think sums up the whole message of the book. You can tell me if you dispute that after I, <laughs> after I read it. So here it is. Melissa wrote, the things that make you cringe are usually the things worth sharing because they can help others feel less alone. It's an understandable reaction to flee the situation that makes you cringe. But what if you could teach yourself to tolerate it? You could maybe learn to use the empathy as a portal to compassion for other people and for yourself. Looked at in a certain light, cringing becomes a worthwhile feeling, an emotion worth exploring, not avoiding. Little humiliations can bring people together if we let them. The ridiculous in me honors the ridiculous in you. I love that. I love that way of looking at it. And I think it's part of why I love awkwardness, because it's not about making fun of anyone. It's about seeing our common humanity. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I wasn't expecting to get this kind of common humanity vibe out of something as as silly as awkwardness, but I truly, truly did. Um, it's just like, it's something we all experience. It's something that can bring us together if, if you if you look at it in the right light. So, yeah. 
Now, you have a whole chapter in the book about awkwardness at work, which of course I loved. (laughs) And you opened that chapter by talking about an Ask a Manager letter where someone had been working from home because of a snowstorm. Oh, yeah. And they were on a conference call with their coworkers, and suddenly their roommate, who was also at home due to the weather, started having sex with his girlfriend in the next room, loud sex. And the people on the work conference call could hear it. And then after my letter writer got back to the office, some coworkers were even avoiding them because they figured that they'd been openly watching porn on the call and felt really uncomfortable. It doesn't get much more awkward than that. So I love that you opened the the work chapter with that. Yeah, I mean, I I think especially... There's so much awkwardness in remote working situations. Um, it, yeah, that that letter was so good. It was so bad because it was like, what were you supposed to tell that person, the letter writer? Like, it's like if you usually the answer is to to be direct, but in this situation, like, would that have made it worse? Maybe right? Um, yeah, because you have to be direct and sort of introduce sex into the conversation, which we're so trained to not, most of us are trained to not do at work. Yeah. My advice to the person ultimately was, I think, yeah, if, if they were assuming that you were watching porn, it's better to, to speak up and correct that than to let them go on thinking that. And actually the person sent in an update later, took the advice, did tell people what was going on and everyone had a good laugh about it. Um, admitted that yes, indeed, they had thought the person was watching porn openly on a work conference call. <laughs> Felt much better once they knew it was really going on and then it just turned into an office joke. Yeah, <laughs> that was such a good one. But it's so funny how many of uh, people who write in to ask a manager are are dealing with some kind of like fear of of awkwardness if some kind of like it's such a running theme and I think that's why I love your site so much it's why I love doing it (laughs) I think work is especially prone to awkwardness in some ways and part of it goes back to what you were saying about awkwardness being what happens when the face that you want to show to the world slips because work is generally a place where we're really trying to have a professional persona on. So there's a lot of room for it to slip. Like there's further to fall than there might be in a non-work situation, if that makes sense. Right. And it's like, there are rules, like there are rules that that govern how you behave, but there's not but in some situations there aren't. And, and so there are these gray areas, but then it's a place that like, yeah, I think, I think the workplace is particularly prone to, to awkwardness. (laughs) And I think you're right. There's all these unwritten rules about how to conduct yourself. And it's, people don't always know exactly what they are or exactly what the nuance of those rules are. And it's so easy to run afoul of them if you even know what they are in the first place, which not everyone does, and you're thrown together with people who you might not be the most comfortable social fit with, which is another element, I think, that ups the chances of awkward encounters. I don't know. Work is really awkward in so many different ways. Yeah, it's a a weird place. And it does really matter in this situation what people think of you and and what people's opinion of you is. So it's like, you can tell yourself in other situations, like, oh, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what, what other people think of me, but it does matter at work in a lot of situations. So yeah, this, the stakes are really high. Yeah. You can't just decide, oh, well, maybe my coworkers did think I was openly listening to watching or watching porn on that conference call. So be it. I mean, you have to address it, but then how, no one teaches you how to address something like that. What do you think? Like, because it's one thing to just say, you know, just 
just have the awkward conversation. But do you, do you think that like there are ways people can learn how to get better at it or, or can, can learn how to a- address uncomfortable things? Or do you think it's just a matter of just doing it? This is just the perfect setup for me to pitch my book, <laughs> which is all about how to have uncomfortable conversations at work. But I think a lot of it is finding a way to be really matter of fact. Like one of the things that feels so uncomfortable about the prospect of these conversations is they feel so emotionally fraught. And the more you can talk about it, whatever it is, in a very matter of fact way, using the same tone that you would use to say, hey, I can't get this printer cartridge to work. The closer you can get to that, probably the less awkward it's going to be. Not always. I mean, some things are just going to be awkward and there's no way around that. And all you can do is just plunge in and get through it. But a lot, you can minimize a lot of awkwardness, I think, by being matter of fact. And people will take their cues from you. If you approach a conversation and you seem really tense and really worried, you know, you've been up for two nights dreading this conversation and it shows people are going to feel really awkward because you're signaling to them that this is worthy of a lot of stress and tension. But if you're pretty calm about it, it will usually go better. Not always. Um, But I also think there's real value, I think, in accepting, you know what, sometimes it's just going to be awkward. And that's not a reason to not have the conversation. That's a reason to maybe feel weird about it and to feel, you might feel a little anxious about it, but it's not a reason to not do it. And I think so often people interpret that feeling of awkwardness as being a flag that they shouldn't even be in that conversation. And sometimes that's true, but not always. Yeah. I, to me, it's, it's, it's a signal that this is something we probably need, need to pay more attention to, not less attention to often, not always, but, but often. Yes. So. Yeah. I mean, times when I think that wouldn't be true would be like if you were overstepping your boundaries and having an awkward conversation with someone about like their reproductive plans and yeah. you're not their doctor. Um, but but in a lot of cases, I think you're right. The fact that you are having these emotions about it means there's something there that you've got to dig into and sort out. Exactly. Exactly. And it's kind of, it's kind of like a, it's like a painful self-consciousness or self-awareness, I think the feeling of awkwardness is, but it's, it's, yeah, to me, I really, I really think it's so important to, yeah, to dig into it and listen to it. And what is it trying to tell you? (laughs) Yeah. I always feel like one of the best things that people can do for their quality of life at work, but also just in life in general, is to just make a conscious decision to embrace the awkward, because we all have horribly awkward moments that we then cringe over later on. And I don't think that's going to stop. But there is real joy and real liberation in just embracing how awkward we all are and and finding it funny. And I, it can be hard to do that, but I think when you find your way there, it's such a relief. Yeah, that's that's another thing I read about in the book. I really believe that too. Like if you can kind of, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm, a lesson I'm having to learn over and over again in, in life is to just lighten up and not think, take things so seriously, including myself. But um but that really is part of the key to to dealing with self-consciousness and awkward moments is just to somehow lighten up and try to try to just like take some joy in just the absurdity of being human. Yeah, that was something I kind of ended up learning through writing the book for sure. I love that. Well, that is the show. Thank you for coming on and talking with us. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Melissa's book is called Cringeworthy, A Theory of Awkwardness, and you can order it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And you can read more of her work at New York Magazine, where she writes the Science of Us column for The Cut. It was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Ask a Manager podcast. If you'd like to come on the show to talk through your own question, email it to podcast at askamanager.org, or you can leave a recording of your question by calling 855-426-WORK. That's 855-426-9675. You can get more Ask a Manager at askamanager.org or in my book, Ask a Manager, How to Navigate Clueless Colleagues, Lunch-Stealing Bosses, and the Rest of Your Life at Work. The Ask a Manager show is a partnership with How Stuff Works and is produced by Paul Deccan. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. I'm Allison Green, and I'll be back next week with another one of your questions. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.